Hey guys, welcome back to the Grant Mint Podcast, episode number 21. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about how to know who you're dealing with. Knowing who you're dealing with and learning how to navigate through life and through business around people is essential for having continued success. Anybody, even if you haven't been in the business world yet, can just look at their personal life or growing up in high school, college, middle school, elementary school, whatever the case was, and you learned how difficult it was to be around a big group of individuals who come from different backgrounds, religions. They're being taught different things by, you know, obviously different parents. And they all want different things. You know, some people are driven by success, some attention, some significance. Some just want to be loved and they want to be approved and, and that what they're doing or what they're saying is enough. And each one of these people have different things. And even if they're great people, what we sometimes fail to realize is just because they're an amazing person or they seem great does not mean that they're for you. And that doesn't make them bad. It just means that they're not a for life person. There's other people that are meant to be in your life for short periods of time to help you solve or fix a problem and vice versa for you to them and then carry on with their life. But where we make the mistake is when we think a person is meant to be with us for life, but they're really only meant to be there for a season or vice versa. And we have to know what we're dealing with, okay? So the biggest first mistake, let's take a look at this. When Let's say we're hiring somebody or we're just becoming friends or dating someone. What we tend to do is we get caught up in people's words. Words are of a sod. And they're always going to make, no matter how good or bad the person is, they're always going to make it seem a little bit better than it is. And these grand words that sound so good, they look great. You know, it sounds good. They make you feel good. They fill a void that maybe you want. It's all of a sod. And what happens is when we let people's words cloud our judgment of them, we miss what their actions are telling us. I always say that when I'm communicating with somebody, doing business with someone, friends, or anything of that nature, I kind of take their words with a grain of salt. Words are essentially only about 7% of communicating. 93% is body language and tone, energy. So even if you're having a direct conversation with someone, what they're saying has very little to do with what they're actually meaning. And if you instead study their body language, their eye contact, their tone, it can tell you a hell of a lot more than that. But even if you take it another step, while everyone else is paying attention to what they're saying and getting caught up in it, instead, I want you to watch what that person does. For example, you know, I've trained so many sales reps, which is a a PhD in psychology because you really learn what makes people tick and when and what causes them to fail. And you know, everyone comes from all these different backgrounds and ages and all these different things, right? And it's so interesting. Many times the reps that are the most polished, that has the best resume, the best background, they're so good with their words, are sometimes the most full of shit. And it's the weirdest thing ever because you think they're good. You hear them on training. They sound so good. And then you look at the the sales numbers and you go, why does this guy have the lowest amount of sets in the company? 
you talk to them. They go, man, I don't know what's going on. It's like these people don't answer. Oh, man, I'm doing the script just like you guys said. Y'all told me to do it like this. I don't know what's going on. Hey, maybe it's my number. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, you work and you spend all this energy on them. You, you push them. You motivate them. You, you help them. You sit there. You know, one of the other managers spends hours and hours and hours and hours with them. All this effort. And finally, you go deeper and deeper and deeper and you start diving into it. And I'll tell you a little a story. So I had a rep that was saying, man, I'm calling nonstop, Grant. Telling, you know, our, our one of our main managers, Aaron, hey, Aaron, I'm calling all the time. You know, I've done this, I've done that, I'm doing everything you guys are telling me. So we did a trick. And I learned this, there was a, it was a famous football player, there was a number one draft pick out of LSU. And he was, I mean, on his knees, if you know anything about American football, he could, he could throw a football almost freaking 80 yards on his knees all the way across the football field. So the guy was unbelievably talented. But they knew he, he, he didn't know the plays. He didn't know the defense. And NFL football is extremely complex, much less football at all. And so what they did is they sent him home with tapes. And they asked him to tell it about the next day. But they knew he wasn't watching tapes. So they told him that, hey, here's the tapes. Go watch it. But the tapes were completely blank. So when they sent it home and the next day they asked him, hey, what did you think about when they were blitzing on this down and this, that, and the other, whatever the case was, what do you think about it? He started just answering some BS and they go, Jamarcus, those tapes were blank. We just wanted to see if you were actually watching film and he hadn't watched anything. And so I learned that story and I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to try it on this rep. He keeps saying he's doing this and doing that and it's everyone's fault but him. So what we did is we have a lead sheet where all the reps call. And that morning, you know, me or the manager, whoever, um, was like, hey, call. I want you to hammer today. Hit at these times. They're like, okay, cool. I'm going to do it, blah, blah, blah. We removed him from the sheets and this rep, and we did it for two to three days and didn't say anything. And we just let him lie and lie and lie. He couldn't have even called leads if he wanted to. He was lying the entire time. And man, did he sound good. He sounded committed. He said all the right things, but he wasn't doing anything the right way. But what happened in my mistake early on here that eventually we figured out was me and my managers, whoever, were getting so caught up in the image that this person portrayed. It seemed good. It looked good. It sounded good. It hit all the boxes checked to be a good sales rep. But if we would have ignored everything he said and how good it looked and everything and just focused on, okay, how many appointments did he set? What did he do when he got no-showed? How did he handle this situation? What do the numbers look like? What is the picture? What is this? It would have told us everything we needed to know to part ways with this person. But instead of us doing it, and this is ultimately was my mistake, and this is how one of the reasons why I learned this, is I could have seen it within a month or two weeks, told him, hey, if it's not this and this, it's no big deal, but we're going to part ways. And he would have not done it because he was lazy or whatever the case was. And we would have parted ways with him and saved thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, our time, and to be fair, his as well. So we have to know what drives people. And the first step 
is focusing on what their actions are. Okay. Now, as far as friends, business associates, people that you work with, there's typically three types of people that we deal with. And misjudging them on what type of person they are or they are towards you and towards anybody else can be detrimental to your career, happiness, friendships, and relationships. The first person is a confidant. A confidant is a person that is for you. No matter what industry you're in, no matter if you're on the top of the mountain or the low of the low, they celebrate when you celebrate. They cry when you cry. You could do the worst thing in history. They wouldn't tell a soul. They are for you. You are blessed and lucky if you get even two to three confidants in your life. You'll never reach the heights that you can potentially hit if you do not have a few confidants around you. Life is too difficult. People are too quick and wary to turn on you. Screw you over. And that's part of life. But to go to the heights and achieve things that you want to achieve, this could be your spouse, this could be your brother, this could be your friend, this could be a family member, this could be unlikely people you would never imagine. But the way to see if they're a confidant is when you tell them great news, are they as excited as you are? When you tell them something terrible happened, do they truly care? Do they feel the same pain that you do? These little things and continued year after year after year consistent motives, not what they say almost, but what they show you, will tell you if you have yourself a confidant. Next is a constituent. Okay, Constituents are not for you. They're not against you, but instead they are for what you are for. For example, if you have an opportunity to make them money, and they want to make money too, they are going to be with you. They're going to sound good. They're going to look good. They're going to do everything right until what? Whatever you're helping them with, whether it's a job, whether it's an opportunity, whether it's whatever, of making them money, if that goes away, they will go with it. Many times broken people are extremely vulnerable around a constituent because constituents are extremely confusing because they seem like they're your best friend ever. They do everything the right way. They're not evil. They're not in your face. It seems good. But what happens are they're very unloyal people. And that may not be their total characteristic, but this is what is most important is this is they're very unloyal to you. They are loyal to the situation you're in. We see this with people like celebrities and famous athletes. When they're at the heights of their career, these people come out of nowhere. They do anything for them. They're nice. They support them. They hang out with them. They do all these great things. But the second something bad happens in that person's career, what happens to the constituents? They disappear out of thin air. So don't be surprised when a constituent is there, is cheering, doing everything, and then like a thief in the night, they go get with somebody else, they go work for someone else, they leave in an instant, faster than you can blink, because they were always going to do that from the beginning, okay? 
These are temporary people. And it's okay because you can use them in the right way. And by use, I mean not be affected in your business or personal life. Okay. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of elaborate this on the, on the next part and kind of show you how I did it in my life and how you can implement it in yours. The third type of person is a comrade. Okay. Comrades are not for you. Okay. They're not for what you are for, but they are against what you are against. So for example, have you ever made an unlikely relationship with someone that you had arguments with, that you didn't connect with, that y'all never got along, but you suddenly had a common enemy? Comrades are similar to scaffolding that builds a building. They're there for a short season. We've seen this in wars, like, for example, the United States and Russia in World War II. They're not for what they're for. Russia or the United States is not for each other, but they were against a common enemy. So we have to realize that certain people are temporary people in our lives. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad people, but we have to understand who we're dealing with so we can protect ourselves, our families, our business, and our livelihoods. So for example, when I started working at this solar company, there was this manager that um, was basically at the same level at me uh, as me at the time, all right? And I was running initially before I was like a director or whatever the case was, the Houston office. He was running the San Antonio office. He was overall a cool guy, but a lot of people in the company did not like him at all. And they joked that his name was Loki. And Loki, if, if you've seen Marvel, is basically like the evil villain. He was a very selfish guy, super cool. But one thing I noticed about him was all he cared about was money, gaining power, and doing whatever it would take to make sure he's, his, excuse me, his needs were met. So if I was in his way and it was between me and him, he would screw me over in a split second. And I knew this about him, but it didn't mean that I had to avoid him because I knew I was moving up in the company and I was likely going to come across a time where he might be in that position. But weirdly, as I was moving up, me and him, I befriended him. We became cool because in a way we both wanted to move up, but we were against a few simple things. And as we both became directors, it was a weird time when we kind of created a good relationship. And there was this guy that came out of nowhere to become a vice president of a company. And he was quickly single-handedly running the entire company. He implemented all these processes. He started trying to screw over me and me and this guy and, you know, talk bad about us, start rumors, disrespecting us in public. And if, if you've, if you've heard my other episode, I actually talked about this vice president guy where I called him out and it worked you know, I didn't tolerate the disrespect, but me and Nephi were fully against this guy. And so while me and Nephi didn't hang out on the weekends, I don't think Nephi would have done anything too detrimental to me, this guy. But I knew that at the end of the day, he was against this vice president being at the company and so was I. So what's beautiful about this is, is, is this. 
I know that this person is not going to be a ride or die person for me. Sure, I mean, I guess he wants me to do good, but as long as he's doing good. But let me tell you something. Sometimes those type of people are the best people to trust. What happens is there's some quote-unquote friends that we think are confidants, but they're really constituents. And they're only there for a season, and they're only there for their selfish gain. But many times, friends can hide the envy, can hide the hatred, can hide the jealousy very easily because it's easy. You're not suspecting of them. But someone that's maybe a comrade, that's against what you're against, that's quote-unquote an evil villain, like we were joking earlier. But here's the secret. I knew what this manager would do in every single situation he and I could be in together or if he was alone. For example, if it's a business deal, I know that this person is going to always do whatever makes him money, even if it means screwing me over. If it's a he said, she said battle, he's always going to throw me down. So this is an asset to me because I now know who I'm dealing with. A constituent or a person that it seems like a friend but may not be a friend, that person I'm wary of because I don't know what they're capable of. I don't know what drives them. It's more difficult to figure out. So instead, the secret is setting up situations and opportunities where it benefits that manager to help me because it helps him. I can trust someone like that. That doesn't mean they're over at my house on Thanksgiving. That doesn't mean they're with my family all the time. But it means I know what that person's going to do so I can help put him in situations that maybe benefit him but also benefit me, my family, my team, my organization. So what happened is with this manager, we worked together to make sure that this vice president that came in that was quickly running the company could not take out me or could not take out him. And because we both had so much pull in the company, we were close to the CEO, we were close to all the other managers, while many people didn't like him, I had a good relationship with everyone for the most part. We were both protected and that vice president ended up getting fired and me and him were ended up getting promoted and moved up. Now we did this to protect ourselves in the company, but this is my point. I was never screwed over by this other manager. If I didn't get close to him, he could have quickly became close with that vice president create an alliance with him, and they could have taken me out, which could have easily happened because the first target of that VP was me. It wasn't the other guy. And so you got to know who you're dealing with. And the hardest part about this is removing the emotions that block us making clear and concise decisions and seeing who we're actually dealing with. You have to realize not everyone's going to have the heart that you have. And even then, even if they do, you have to realize that each person has their own issues, their own anxieties, and their own things that they're dealing with that you don't know about either. It's okay for not every single person to be just so obsessed with you that they'll do anything for you. But it's not okay for you to blindly and naively believe 
that people are going to do just that. We have to trust people, not blindly, but instead we have to trust them to be themselves. Study what drives a person, what moves they make, how they respond to certain situations that you're in or you may put them in. This will tell you without emotion who you're dealing with and it will help you better understand and determine what this individual will do in any potential situation that you could be in with them. If you can do this, you can be two to three steps ahead and you can trust them to be them. Right? There's a story, a quick story that, that I heard the other day. I hope I say it right. But this snake came to this, this woman and said, oh my God, I need water, I need shelter, I need everything. Can you please help me? The lady helps him, gives him water, gives him food, everything. The snake wraps up around her, wraps up around her, wraps up around her, thinks everything's good, bites her. She goes, I I gave you everything. What are you doing? And he goes, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. But I really need food. I really need shelter. You can't leave me out like this. Can you please help me? She lets the snake back in. The snake then eats the food, drinks the water, enjoys the benefits, wraps up around the woman and bites her, almost kills her. She goes, you almost killed me. What the heck is this? Like, why is this happening? I gave you this. I gave you that. He goes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Can you please help me? Can you please? If not, I'll die out here. She said, okay. He does the same thing again, and he kills the woman. And the snake thinks to himself, I was a snake the entire time and you never saw it. That snake was going to be who he or she was no matter what that woman said or did. But she chose to see him in a light that was not who he was. Or she may have thought, oh, he would never do that because I would never do that. Yeah, you won't do that, but that doesn't mean that the snake won't. And that doesn't mean we walk around and pout all day and mad that people aren't as good as us or they don't have as good as morals as the way you were raised. But that's the problem. People get mad when the game is not the way we want it to be. Guys, people are people and they're always going to be people. And many people want to you know, argue that times are getting worse and people are worse now than ever. That's not the case at all. We're actually living in one of the most peaceful times in human history. The only difference is when they did horrible and mean things hundreds of years ago, it wasn't posted to Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube a split second after. Now you just simply have a microscope on everything that was already happening. So talk, like points to take away from this is I want you to start looking whether it's people you do business with, your friends with, and I want you for a week to remove and stop focusing on the words that they say and instead focus on the way that they react to every situation that you are in with them. And I want you, without emotion, to determine what makes that person tick, what makes them do what they do. And I don't want you to judge them. I don't want you to talk bad about them. But I want you to understand who you're dealing with and I want you to then trust them 
to continue to do and act in the same way that they have shown you the entire time. Then you will always be protected because you can then anticipate what that person would do to you, your team, your company, or your family in any scenario they could be in. So thanks guys for listening to episode 21. As always, if you guys can make sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you guys have any recommendations or questions or maybe things that you'd like me to talk about in the future, uh, don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram at Grant Mitt. Um, Same thing for TikTok as well. Um, I I get lots of DMs from people all over the world, but I try to respond to as many as possible and help you guys as much as possible. Just a reminder, I'm never going to have courses. I don't do private coaching. I'm not trying to be some guru. All I'm trying to do is I've been through an interesting journey thus far, and I've been through a lot, and I've made a hell of a lot of stupid mistakes. And all my mission is with this podcast and everything that you know we put out on social media is just to do one thing, and that's to help people have a better lives for them, their families, and their future generations. So thanks guys for all the support and love. As always, I hope you guys have an amazing week and I will see you again for episode 22. Thanks guys.